Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hi there and welcome again to the Explaining History podcast and tonight we're going to look at um, one of the final parts of uh, Everyday Stalinism, uh, the uh, epic work by Sheila Fitzpatrick that we've been uh, working through together for such a long time. Um, we're going to look at the, the year of the Great Terror or the kind of the, the, the key year of the Great Terror shall we say uh, of 1937. Of course there are different historiographies of the Terror. Some, um, Robert Service for example, uh, have argued that there was kind of no distinguishing between 1937 and any other year um, uh, from 1917 onwards in terms of terror and the uh, Stalinist system, the Bolshevik and then the Stalinist system was one uh, long period of terror. Um, I'm not sure that I necessarily agree that there are no distinguishing features um, and that um, there was no distinction between the, the Bolshevik and the Stalinist periods. Much of the debate, of course, um, comes down to how one positions um, Lenin uh, and Stalin's relationship, 
um, the uh, sympathetic biographers of Lenin who see him as the um, the, the uh, revolutionary figure whose vision was somehow fatally compromised uh, by Stalin. I, I think it's, it's utterly naive to take that view um, that the, the Leninist period um, had to be uh, for, for Lenin's visions of Russia to come true and for his, his ideolo- ideological take on what individuals were for um, that to be realised terror was um, at, at the heart of it um, the uh, view uh, the Marxist-Leninist view that Lenin had of individuals was that they were kind of rather, you know, the individual is rather like clay and can be reshaped uh, based on the social forces uh, around them. You know, you reshape the society, you reshape the man, and of course the tools to do that are violence and and coercion. Anyway, um, tonight we're going to look at 1937. Before we do, firstly a quick apology um, I've been away for a couple of weeks, so this podcast has been kind of uh, gathering dust for a week or two. So um, for everyone who, who regularly listens, an, an, an apology there. Also, a really great announcement. We'll be uh, speaking with, or I'll be speaking with Otto English from uh, Byline Times, um, who is a great uh, investigative and uh, critical journalist. Uh, with uh, Byline Times, um, uh, whose new book, A Fake History, um, the the kind of the great historical myths that seem to uh, pervade uh, our society, um, we'll, we'll be uh, examining that next week and uh, giving special attention to Boris Johnson's biography of Winston Churchill, um, which I, of course, have always argued can't be thought of as being a biography at all um, and uh, we will be uh, casting a critical eye over that um, so stay tuned um, so let's talk about the year 1937 so um, the year 1937 is obviously the uh, height of the Stalinist terror and Sheila Fitzpatrick talks here a little bit about the um, kind of premonitions the uh, or the warning signs she writes there had been rumblings ever since Kirov's death in 1934 uh, and the localised waves of terror that followed it the first of the three great Moscow show trials of the former oppositionists the trial of Zinoviev and Kamenev in August 1936 initiated a round of arrests of former oppositionists but this was still on a relatively small scale Mass arrests in the communist elite and the episode of hysterical witch hunting, um, we now know as the Great Purges, began in the first months of 1937 with the January show trial of Yuri Pyatikov and the other former communist leaders for counter-revolutionary wrecking and sabotage and the bloodthirsty plenary meeting of the Central Communist Committee that followed. Although it was almost two years before the terror started to wind down and Nikolai Yezhov was removed as the head of the NKVD, the whole episode was long remembered by Soviet citizens as the year 1937. The three trials had a strong structural resemblance to the show trials of the Cultural Revolution, the Shakti trial of 1928 and the Industrial Party trial of 1930. The difference was that the, then the defendants had been bourgeois specialists, 
charged with as representatives of their class as part of the campaign against the old intelligentsia. This time, the defendants were the high communist officials very recently removed from top positions. The inference that they, too, were on trial as representatives of a class was there to be drawn, but the question was, what class? One possible reading was that the class of former opposition was it was the class of former oppositionists. The other, considerably more disturbing in its implications, was that the whole communist managerial class was now on trial. So the reason one of the well, one of the many reasons for the trials of the bourgeois specialists um, pr- prior to the trials of the Great Terror was that uh, the shortcomings of the revolution, the failings of the revolution, the fact that uh, the five-year plans were um, uh, difficult to implement, that there were um, industrial accidents and failings and disasters, that targets and norms weren't met, something had to, somebody had to be blamed. The idea that um, the the party was ill-equipped to manage uh, such a radical transformation of Russia uh, and that Stalin himself had failed in in many ways and made huge mistakes um, or that the the regime itself was at fault in some way couldn't be entertained. There had to be uh, external enemies. And so when um, when we get to to 1937 we've already been through uh, a, a famine um, and the uh, various other kind of social shock waves, you know, poverty, hunger, shortages that um, shake Soviet society during the 1930s. And when you get to that point, sure, there are grievances, there are resentments, there are criticisms. Um, and the whilst the um, the likes of Kamenev, Zinoviev, Piatikov, uh, and the rest. Um, and Bukharin um, are put on trial for treason, for sabotage, for conspiring against the Soviet state. They're a great way of explaining why things still don't work out. Um, and this um, attack on the infrastructure of the party itself was a way of sweeping away a tier of um, uh, a, a tier of society, a social tier that existed between Stalin and the population at large, and of course the um, the, the dream of, of of any dictator is the uh, unfettered support of the populace. Um, the theme of the Piatikov trial was wrecking, writes Julia Fitzpatrick meaning intentional sabotage of the Soviet economy by highly placed officials who were secret enemies of Soviet power. Yuri Piatikov, one of the chief defendants, was a former supporter of Trotsky, who had recanted in the early 1930s, had been readmitted to the party, and become the right-hand man of Sergo Orjonikidze uh, at the Ministry of Heavy Industry. He was accused of treason against the country, espionage, committing acts of, diver- uh, of diversion, wrecking activities, and the preparation of terrorist acts. Prosecutor Vashinsky put on a dramatic performance, describing in astonishing detail the awful outlines of the conspiracy 
of former oppositionists, their master, Judas Trotsky, the German and Japanese intelligence agencies against Soviet power. They were a brigand gang, murderers, toadies and cabs of capitalism, Vyshinsky claimed. This is not a political party, it is merely a gang of criminals, hardly to be distinguished from the gangsters who use blackjacks and daggers on the high road on a dark night. Fearful of the masses, from which it runs like the devil from the holy water, the gang conceals its brutal claws and ferocious fangs. Uh, the roots of this gang must be sought in the secret recesses of the foreign espionage agencies, which brought these people, which kept them, paid them for their loyal flunky service. The trial was reported almost verbatim in all national newspapers, with banner headlines, photographs of the cowed defendants, and box statements by indignant Soviet citizens calling for the death penalty. So all of this sounds to our, our ears fanciful stuff. But it wasn't meant to sound fanciful. It was meant to sound plausible. The, um, the trial, the managers of the show trials, the prosecutors, were trying to do the uh, do their judicial work in public. They were trying to build a, a relationship, a rapport, and a, an agreement with the population at large um, by portraying uh, the likes of Piatikov as traitors and uh, by presenting that treachery as being wildly um you know uh wildly damaging and and, and destructive and and malevolent uh, and the more lurid the tale quite frankly uh, the better stalin molotov and yezhov spelled out the message to a terrified central committee at the plenary meeting that began in february their spe um, their speeches lent considerable weight to the to the reading that the class on trial in the Piatikov trial was the communist managerial elite. It turned out, they said, that Piatikov and co. were not only uh, the only wreckers in industry. In fact, wreckers were flourishing everywhere, and the industrial and transport apparatus, overlooked by complacent communists who had forgotten about vigilance, and not all the wreckers were former oppositionists. They were enemies of the people in other branches of the Soviet government too. In addition, Wreckers and traitors had wormed their way into top positions in the regional party administrations. This was particularly distressing news to the Central Committee, many of whose members were themselves regional secretaries. Of course, a lot of these people were Stalin appointees from about 1921 onwards. 1922, I beg your pardon. Um, and so Stalin um, presents a, a kind of... A, an alarming and distressing world view to the party at the central committee um and to and and basically um informs them in a manner of speaking that that not everybody will be will 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 be surviving hey i'm ryan reynolds at mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. 
$45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Uh, and that those who do should be constantly vigilant and fearful and worried and paranoid uh, about the possibility of wreckers and saboteurs around them, even if they themselves were given initially to uh, believing that there were no such wreckers and saboteurs. Over the next few months, newspapers carried a wealth of startling information about the sins of leading communists in the centre and the regions. These news items usually refrained from stating outright that the subject, unmasked as an enemy of the people, had been or would shortly be arrested. But this was obvious to any experienced reader of the Soviet press. A lot of the, what you see in the Soviet press of the 1930s is done by implication, by innuendo, by hint, by suggestion. And the and Soviet citizens became, as it suggests here, master kind of readers of which way the wind was blowing as a result of, of what, they, what they read about uh, in, in the press. Uh, master kind of in, interpreters of these sorts of things. The stories were written in such a way as to arouse the late, all the latent hostility of Soviet citizens to elite privileges and arbit the arbitrary exercise of power. Enemies of the people have practiced patronage and favoritism, bullied subordinates and been rude to ordinary citizens, developed their own local cults of personality, used state funds to support a luxurious lifestyle of banquets, dashes, cars, foreign and consumer goods and expensive clothes. Now that that was an, a very interesting feature of the, the kind of like the slander of these party members, who many of whom had legitimately um, if if they were put on trial in a democratic society, would have been put on trial for all sorts of of different things. Bear in mind, um, but the uh, way in which they are portrayed in a country that is constantly beset by shortages, by housing shortages, food shortages, by ongoing hunger, uh, and the inability to buy basic goods in shops. Um, even when there are party stores that are quite well stocked, um, was to present them as hypocrites, as frauds, as liars, as people who were uh, not the idealists uh, looking to build a new world, but kind of grifters on the make. The atmosphere of the time, strongly anti-elitist, uh, anti anti-bossist, was encapsulated in Stalin's toast in October to the little people, in which he remarked that leaders come and go, but the people remain. Only the people are eternal. 
In this highly charged atmosphere, standard practices suddenly became fraught with sinister meaning. Take the families of clients and connections that every central and regional political figure gathered around himself. It was natural most people in normal times would have agreed to want to be surrounded by your own people, to bring trusted lieutenants uh, with you when you change jobs, to be, uh, protect your people if some Moscow busybody started to make trouble for them, to uh, cooperate with others in your ministry or regional party organisation, to share the achievements of the institutional region in the best possible light. But now, all such efforts seem suspect, smacking of conspiracy. So, what can we make of that? Well, you may have um, remembered a long time ago when we talked about uh, the nature of Soviet society um, in the 1920s and 30s that um, influence, favours, what was referred to as blat, uh, which is this uh, Russian term for who you know, became much, much more important um, than really what you know or um, how hard you work or um, how talented you are. This was a, uh, a society which had uh, def- definite you know, meritocratic pretensions and designs um, and um, egalitarian pretensions and designs. However, it was an enormously corrupt society. It was a society of poverty and hunger and shortages where party bosses could influence things in such a way to make sure that um, if you were friends with them or related to them or had connections to them, that life could be good. But what happens when the people who have been uh, your... Uh, benefactors, friends, saviours, who have looked out for you, um, who uh, you have used your blat, your influence to secure an apartment or a place at a school for your child. What happens if those people are denounced? Or what happens if you are denounced and they have vouched for you? All of a sudden, these social networks, these informal networks, these networks of blat, started to be uh, a lot more danger uh, than they were uh, an asset and subsequently make very many of them are kind of uh, very very quickly broken up um, in one instance Sheila Fitzpatrick writes a provincial newspaper had a field day with the clientist tendencies of G.P. Savenko director of the local coke chemical plant when he was exposed as an enemy of the people Savenko the paper reported had brought his own people with him including class enemies and former Trotskyites, uh, when he moved from Nepropetrovsk to the Donbass and gave them all sorts of perks, cosseting these confidence men and rascals in every way. Over two years, 1935-1936, he spent 114,000 rubles from discretionary funds uh, uh, for bonuses, whose recipients included an unmasked wrecker, the son of a white Cossack officer, a former Trotskyite, the the son of a big pre-revolutionary manufacturer who had been expelled from the party for speculating in gold and other undesirables. Savenko also spent money from the director's fund for lavish banquets, this, the, director, the newspaper pointed out, was in sharp contrast to the miserly amount available for cultural purposes, workers' housings, uh, and other worthy causes. So, 
there is a um, at the initial stages of the terror uh, in 1937 a kind of almost populist aspect to it of um, harnessing public anger, public rage, public indignation, public loathing for those who were going to be victimised. How true any of the accusations are is perhaps almost impossible for us to tell. Certainly, almost certainly, they are embellished uh, if there's a, a grain of truth to them. Um, it was probably to have that assortment of class enemies together in one place as either enormously bad luck or a, a uh, um, or, or untrue. Um, the need for to present um, the uh, enemies of the people, those who are going to be put on trial, who are going to be purged, as kind of the almost the the, the nep men of the 1920s of these kind of they use terms like gangster, crook, spiv. Uh, con confidence men and rascals uh, quite regularly is an in in interesting kind of linguistic kind of uh, discourse uh, happening here um, the um, idea that essentially somehow the revolution had become corrupted and needed in, in a way to be purified to be purged uh, and that Stalin uh, was able to to do that this is the, the kind of the language that actually makes mass terror um, more likely. I don't think that there was anything that would have ever stopped um, the, uh, the, the the terror itself. But here, you, a, a kind of a, a workable explanation as to why these arrests are happening is presented to the Soviet people. So what we're going to do um, when we continue with this, and I'll do some more on this uh, later this week, because um, working through the, 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 the terror I think is really important, um, is, is focus on um, the final stages uh, of the terror, how it spreads and radicalises and sort of uh, grows uh, exponentially. Um, um, and, th and it does it through denunciations through these social networks that we see and it spreads almost out of the party and into all aspects of Soviet life uh, particularly with a focus on nationalities the uh, the Poles uh, who are in the Soviet Union are those who are disproportionately um, uh, persecuted uh, by by the regime Okay, let's finish there. So I'll be hopefully getting out um, uh, a lot more content to you um, in, in the next few uh, days and, and weeks. Um, my uh, my former laptop, the, the laptop that had, has produced well over a thousand of these podcasts uh, and has been with me for ten years, finally has given up the ghost and died today. So I'm using a, an entirely different system and one which will be a, a lot quicker and more efficient. But uh, spare a thought for the old MacBook Pro as it uh, goes to the great microprocessor in the sky or whatever. Anyway, catch us next time uh, when I'll be chatting with Otto English. Uh, it's going to be really, really uh, interesting to uh, have him on the show. Um, and do remember 
to check us out at www.explaininghistory.org. Um, I'll be putting some new content on there uh, pretty soon. And also, if you're able to sponsor the podcast, do come to, um, again, check out our Patreon page through the website uh, and donate what you can. It's small donations that keep us going here uh, and a, a tiny little insignificant trickle of ad revenue. Thanks very much, everybody. Take good care. All the best. Bye-bye. you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.